Hello, and welcome to Reality Daily. Where today we're going to talk about Quibi and their reality TV slash documentary uh, listings they have for their new streaming service, which started April 6th, and I'm here with Andrew. Andrew, how are you? Great. How about yourself, buddy? Doing good, man. I appreciate you being here. Um, what were your thoughts uh, on Quibi when you first heard about it um, and then also like your, your first experiences with the app? I have to admit why I was actually pretty skeptical of Quibi when skeptical of Quibi when I first heard about it. The whole idea of a show being between five to ten minutes sounded really odd to me. And I didn't think there was a way this would get popular. And but I will say what drew me in was I found out that they were going to have Legends of the Hidden Temple on it, which was one of my favorite childhood shows. And that's kind of what made me want to give them a try. And although Legends of the Hidden Temple isn't up yet, I have been watching some of the other shows. And I will say that maybe they may be onto something here that I didn't see before. Yeah, what what I come away with this is just coming in and like there are some episodes, there are some themes of shows that I think really work in that kind of like five to eight minute episodes. And there are some that I don't think work at all in that five to eight minute window. So we'll get into that. Uh, but as you mentioned, Legends and Temple, I, you know, their strategy is to take shows that people love and like uh, redo them in this small format. You know, they already have Punk and Singled Out. These are two popular MTV shows. Uh, apparently next month they're getting a Reno uh, 911, the Comedy Central show, the, the top satire shows come into Quibi. So, you know, they have a lot to look forward to in terms of trying to pull in um, more fan bases. So today we're going to talk about seven shows. We're going to talk about Chrissy's Court, which is the Chrissy Teakin Court show. We're going to talk about The Gamey Show, which is a a, um, a show to qu- uh, crown Queen of the Straits. Then we have Dismantled, which is a cooking show. Um, and then we have uh, Singled Out, which is a dating show. Elba versus Block, which is kind of like a head-to-head uh, driving um, show. And then we have Punked, which is the MTV Revival Hidden Camera Show. And then we have Thanks a Million, which is a show I, – I don't know how I would describe it, Andrew. I would say maybe like a like a, ch- a charitable giving show, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, one of those feel-goods, yeah. Yeah, kind of a feel-good type show. So we're going to start with Christie's Court because that was the one that they were really pushing uh, in in the media. as like, hey, this is the, the, the marquee kind of like uh, unscripted show that we have. So Christy Teigen's court, uh, it has her mom, Pepper Ty, as the bailiff. Uh, and in this episode, they had Joey and David. Uh, they were arguing over a broken speaker. Uh, Joey's kind of an older uh, singer in a restaurant. He was singing some Frank Sinatra. David comes up and says, hey, um, you, sing, you play any rap? And Joey apparently was so startled that he fell back and broke his speaker. So Joey was suing David to buy the speaker. And they brought John Legend on. And to me, I felt like this was such a, like, it was such a crock of shit. Um, but in a sense, I did kind of find it endearing. It's like, obviously, Chrissy Teigen is not, like, a judge. She doesn't have a law degree. And this case, to me, was so one-sided. I can't imagine a court of law would ever even let this case happen. I feel like they would just say, no, Joey, you back into your own speaker. Uh, you know, case closed. Um, but I do feel like this came off a little endearing to me. I felt like it was a... Um, it was pretty quick-witted. I feel like uh, you know it was short and brief and to the point, and I feel like within the six minutes it kind of flew by. But I also feel like it gave it the time that it needed as well. What about you, Andrew? Um, personally speaking, like as someone who grew up watching shows like Judge Judy and like I love Judge Judy Shyland, she's amazing. <laughs> like when I first saw this and I saw the case, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, Quibi. Like this is the case you're bringing to me first. Um, but then I realized the power of the show isn't in the fact in the court case or even Chrissy Teigen's ruling. It's more so in the moments between that, like the moments of trying to get one of the people who clearly doesn't rap to, you know, do something. The moment of, you know, having John Legend come out and like perform. Um, so I think 
audience they're aiming for at all, which, you know, that's fine. But I could see how someone could watch this and see, like, oh, this is kind of sweet and endearing. Let's keep watching. Um, so in reality, it kind of gives it that family audience that it, it's going to have an audience, I think. Yeah, I, I felt like it kind of lived up to what I expected it to be uh, and, and probably exceeded it in a positive direction. So, Andrew, what show do you want to talk about next? I think the next show we definitely should talk about is Punked because I think Punked is one of those shows that so many of us grew up watching with Ashton Kutcher on MTV. Now to see it on Quibi with Chance the Rapper and to see it in a different light, um, I think it brings a different dynamic to it. So Punked now is on Quibi and the episodes are from five to ten minutes as well. It's hosted by Chance the Rapper now. And I one of the things I noticed with the celebrities lined up and the one I watched um, is... Some of the celebrities at first, I, I, I will admit, some of them I didn't really know too well. Um, they're not exactly like your A-list celebrities or whatever for the most part. And they're, they're actually, there's like one or two who are, to not spoil. But for the most part, like the first episode, I didn't know who the celebrity was. However, the prank, it's, the prank itself was hilarious. I was rolling throughout the entire episode. I think the prank quality is still there for the most part. Um, and I do think that the production quality, because I watched more than one episode, is still there. And, Wyatt, if you can remind me of the name of the celebrity in the first episode, because it's she's abating me right now. Megan the Stallion with two E's. The. Meg- T-H-E. Stallion. Oh, Meg the Stallion, right. Meg the Stallion, yes. And being pranked with that gorilla and her dog being... And, like, the reactions were perfect. Meg just freaking out. Um, you like when you watch punk, you want to see those reactions, and I got all of them that first episode, so I was satisfied with it to the point where I ended up watching, and I think I ended up with five episodes later, not realizing how far I'd gotten into it. Yeah, it was interesting because their prank on Megan Thee Stallion was like her like a uh, dog like got lost, and then when they went to go recover it, they came to like a a uh, a place that had a gorilla caged up, and the gorilla gets loose and like runs around the car. That gorilla looks so fake to me. I don't know how anyone could like actually be scared of that thing. <laughs> it just looks so fake in the face, but she did fall for it. What I also liked about Quibi is um, we really didn't get a whole lot of uh, of personality at least in that first episode, but that driver in the car, Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, Alex Alex Siskwi, I believe his name is. He's a really really funny comedian, and I'm very happy that he gets a little bit of shine here because I've been a big fan of his comedy. He was on Bring the Funny, which was NBC's kind of like a last comic standing esque uh, um, show over this last summer. And he, I don't think he won, but he he really should have. Uh, he really like tore the house down every single time. So yeah, I, I liked it. I feel like the 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 punk skits were pretty short and sweet and to the point i mean really when you think about the actual show they were about the same length you know they did three an episode in a 30 minute time period this is like without the commercials about seven minutes or so so they're about the same length of time so i feel like uh, we're really getting exactly what punked was we're just getting you know one third of the uh, of the amount of episodes essentially so i'm excited about that the next episode we'll talk about is one i have very strong opinions on and this is the the gamey show um as a game game show as in a play on words so the idea of this is that two people come out um and they are trying to be queen of the straits they're trying to be honorarily gay as fuck is what the show says and they pair them with two celebrity life partners so two celebrities that are you know at least it seems are on the lgbt uh, q spectrum um and they basically play a little rounds i gotta be honest with you andrew i know this isn't particularly my demographic but i hated this show 
I hated this show. Um, I had a lot of issues with it. The first one was is they had comedians as the contestants. Um, uh, John Gabrus and Moshi Kashi, who were the first episode um, people, they're they're literally comedians, like they're celebrities. Like I, I just don't like the idea of pairing celebrities with celebrities. Like, it's just weird to me. Um, their rounds, I feel like, were very odd. It almost felt like a sketch show as opposed to a a uh, game show, which is fine, but don't label it as a game show if that's the case. They had a charades round, which was really just like who could have the most funny, like quick, uh, quick wit. And they have a discovery round where they're trying to like mine for like gay artifacts. That's another kind of like, um, you know, like who can make the best joke. And then they had the entrance, which is kind of like the uh, the RuPaul kind of like uh, lip sync for your life where you have to kind of make a statement that I thought was fine. Um, but I, I just don't like the idea of it being disguised as a game show when in reality it is a just comedians going against each other and a show that really has no like set rules. Um, so, Andrew, did you differ on that with me? Um, not too much, really. I I mean, to be fair, I think the only thing I differed on is I came in like halfway through. I kind of came to the realization this isn't actually a game show at all. It's a sketch show. And when I changed my mindset from that, I'm like, okay, this actually does pass as a decent sketch show. Um, I don't know if I'll be watching another episode. It's not for me. It's not that I'm not the target market, honestly speaking, um, which is like I said, that's fine. Um, but there is a very target market out there for this type of show. People who are into this type of comedy, people who are into like, oh, like, you know, Queen of the Strays, that queen culture within the LGBTQ LGBTQ culture. Um, this show is for you, and I think you will appreciate it. Um, I actually didn't mind comedians being with celebrities only because I think it works better than way that way than any other way because they play up into it and they kind of fall into the role because for that show you have to be over the top for it to work otherwise it just completely flops so knowing that they're comedians actually kind of makes sense in my mind because if they didn't go over the top the show would have busted completely um but this is another one of those shows that I think I think like when I think of the shows, I think someone who enjoys comedy and like RuPaul's Drag Race wouldn't show this would enjoy this show type of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, this falls very much into that. The LGBTQ queen culture, which is a very popular culture for quite a few people. So, hey, listen, I love to call people queens uh, and I would love to be called Queen of the Straits, but it just wasn't for me. I was expecting a physical game show and I didn't get it. I was really upset by that um, because that was one of the things I was looking forward to the most coming into Quibi. So I, I thought it was really going to be uh, I thought it was a cute premise. I thought it really had potential and it really did disappoint me. So, Andrew, uh, out of the last uh, four shows that we have here, dismantled, singled out Elba versus Block and Thanks a Million. Which one are you going to talk about next? Oh, we probably should talk about Singled Out. Um, okay. Singled Out, popular show on MTV that was on MTV in the 90s, brought back. Um, the first episode was a comedian who was, I think she identified as bisexual. So she had males and females. Oh, my Lord, the show was so low-key kind of raunchy. Um, I had to lower the volume at certain points because I was watching it like in my family area. Um yeah, and Kiki Palmer is the host, and I actually think Kiki Palmer did a wonderful job as a host for this show, because you kind of need to be someone who leans into these jokes and leans into the overtopness, and Kiki Palmer leaned into it really well, and even brought some of it out of the contestant, honestly. Um, so I was actually quite impressed from that. 
I guess she's not spelling words anymore, so good for her. <laughs> um, I thought that for how long, you know, for the premise of Quibi, you know, it being so short and whatnot, like, it was short, but it kind of got to the point pretty quickly. There were some parts I found a little bit cheesy. I mean, I found it a little bit cheesy when they had to do a race with dildos. That, that was that was a little ridiculous. I was like, that really... I am, I'm sure some people enjoyed it and might disagree with my opinion. But, I mean, they kind of got the essence of a dating sh- of, you know, singled out in a matter of seven to eight minutes. Yeah, I, I will say this. As, as some people don't know this, but... Um, obviously, Single Out was a show in the 90s, but they actually brought it back in 2018 as a YouTube-only show for MTV's YouTube channel, and they had two people from Wild Now host it. And that format was so much better than this one. What they did is they had it for the digital age, and they had half people in the studio and then half people, quote-unquote, online. And what was interesting is a la Circle, uh, these, these uh, online people could be catfishes. So unlike this show where you couldn't see the people, um, you could see – I believe you could see – um, some of the non-catfish people, I think, the people that were in the studio. I don't exactly know if that's the case, but that that case, that that episode was so much better than what they did on Quibi, um, and it was still like ten minutes, like it was kind of a little long for Quibi, but they definitely could have like shortened it down. So I was a little disappointed they did that. With that being said, I agree with what you said about Kiki Palmer being the host. She was really good. I definitely didn't think uh, Akila had it in her uh, to lean into those raunchy jokes as you mentioned. Um, you know, the the rounds were pretty good i mean the dough break around they did the same thing on the show it was great sliding the dms i thought was great i do think the get physical around which as you're talking about was like the racing deal does really had no point like there was no like desire like is she really gonna pick like based on who picked the right dildo i don't think so so if that doesn't have anything to do with it, i don't see why you can't do something a little bit more fun a little bit more interactive um the one thing i had the issue with is it seemed like this woman like knew every single person in the cast <laughs> which is ridiculous I don't know how you. I think that was one of the premises of it was that they took people in your social circle. They said that like they took people from your social circle, people that you have on social media and whatnot, and brought them into that. That's those are the people, the contestants they selected. I just I just hate that format because I don't think that was the way that it was done in the beginning. And I think that like I guess that's easier to do now is to have like thirty or forty people come from the same like space but i i just didn't enjoy it as much because i'm just like okay we're like you're gonna know about people's voices like like if i took 30 people from your social circle right don't you think you would know some of these people's voices when we got to round two don't you think oh, you could identify God. some of them yeah so it's just like i don't know like it's kind of like uh like i said like the kind of the issue i had with the gaming show is like i want i want a real game show here and i don't think i really got a real dating show either um but uh but um you know it was what it was. With that being said, I do think Kiki Palmer did enough uh, for me personally uh, to be interested in, in coming back to watch. Oh, so, yeah. If I watch the show, it's for Kiki Palmer. It's not really for the dating itself. For sure. I thought she really did well. Um, which, you know, you know what? She's doing really well for herself now. She's she's on she's on uh, Good Morning America every day. She's got like the afternoon show with like Michael Strahan and somebody else. Like, yeah, she's doing well for herself. Good for her. Um, next up, I would talk about Dishmantled. Uh, Dishmantled was is a show where two contestants get shot with a cannon, and that cannon is filled with a certain type of food, and they must identify what ingredients are in the food and then make that dish to the best of their ability in 30 minutes, and whoever wins gets $5,000. Um, I will say for me, I thought the show was fun. I do think that it was a little bit like 
weird in the way it was structured because it was like, hey, we shoot this at you and you're going to taste it and you're going to fix the dish. It doesn't matter how good you fix it. Like, it's not a competition to see who's the best at cooking. It's who makes it the best. And to me, I don't think there's a whole lot of suspense and uh, in, 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 like there's no point in really who cooks it if uh, if it doesn't matter about actual cooking. So I don't necessarily know that you even need to really show like the cooking per se. Um, but uh, but I thought it was fun. I thought the, the host, uh, Titus, uh, I don't know his last name, uh, Bungus or something like that. I, I know him Bungus. mainly from I know him mainly from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And he also was trying to become Ursula in the uh, live action uh, Little Mermaid, which I think Queen Latifah got. Um, but uh I thought he was great. I thought he was a great host. I thought the people who were on the panel were really good. One person was from Kurai. A show that I don't particularly watch, but I know it's very popular. And um, Shit's Creek, which also is another show I don't watch, but it's very popular. I thought I thought it was pretty endearing as a whole. I do think $5,000, that kind of took me a bag. It's like, that's, that's kind of a lot of money for like one dish, especially when you consider something like Chopped or whatever. Or another show that we're not going to cover, The Sauce, which is like a, a uh, like United States a, like hip hop dance competition, the winner of that gets 25k, and that's just shocking to me that they'll pay you five grand to make a dish in 30 minutes, but you have to like beat everyone in the world in hip hop dancing to like win 25k, uh, and you have to split that two ways. Um, so I was surprised by the the prize pool, but I enjoyed Dish Man. What about you, Andrew? So I watch a fair share of cooking shows. I I like I watch Top Chef. I watch all those Food Network cooking shows. Um, I was low key appalled when I found that the winner was chosen just because they had more correct ingredients because it literally defeats the purpose of cooking at all. Um, and that's the one thing that just bothered me so much while watching this was um, I just th- that th- the cooking at all didn't matter. It just like, Oh, did you guess or not? Um, and that's for $5,000 to guess ingredients, really quibby, really um, y'all could do better. I do think, that Titus Burgess carries it well. I do think that the judges they had, Anthony, I think he was great. And I think um ooh, and I think the other judge as well did a good job. So I think the judging panel carries the show pretty well. But the premise itself I thought was just stupid. Yeah, I, I do think it would have been a lot better if they just like shot multiple dishes at them and then had them physically like check off like the ingredients and then have it like based in rounds where it's like for every ingredient you get in the first round, we'll give you 10 points. And the second round, we'll give you 20. And the last round, we'll give you 30. It's like, I think that would have been a lot better and probably would have kept to the, the quippy like nature of like short, like short distances and just have one host, no judges. And then whoever wins gets 5K. I think that's a lot better, honestly. Right. And I do know in, the, in future episodes, they do bring actual chefs on the show to judge, which makes me wonder, like, What's if you're point? bringing why are you bringing actual chefs? The taste of the food doesn't matter if it matters what ingredients they use, because someone could make if someone can make something that tastes terrible, but they identify all the ingredients. It defeats the purpose of having a chef as a judge, and some of the chefs they're bringing on are pretty notable. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah, I agree. So, Andrew, do you want to talk about Elba versus Block or Thanks a Million? Uh, Elba versus Block. Go ahead. Um, so, Elba versus Block is Idris Elba um, going and competing against um, rally car driver. What is his name? Starts. Ken Block. Ken Block. Thank you. I was Googling it. Ken Block. 
in a series of challenges with cars. The first episode, they are driving through a obstacle course, and I kid you not, that is lit on fire. And they have to get through the obstacle course as fast as possible. Um, Ken Block is driving in a pretty fast car, and for some reason, Idris Elba decides to do this obstacle course in a pickup truck that looks like was made in the 90s or 80s. Um, the entire time, I was just praying that they don't die. Um, I thought, <laughs> I, it felt like just mid-like crisis angst being played out on Quibi when I was watching it. I guess to some extent it's comical when you think about it, but on another extent, it's the fact that this is a show and that I know people will watch it, which makes it even funnier to me. Because I watched it, and I I think I ended up watching four episodes of it. Um, because I was just so fascinated watching two middle-aged men live out their middle mid-age crisis, midlife crisis, on Quibi, in these episodes, doing dangerous things that could get you killed, quite frankly. Um, of course, so far from the four episodes I watch, they're both alive. Just going to spoiler alert that one. Um, but you already knew that. Get well soon, Idris. Uh, COVID's no joke. Anyways, I A thought it was now. okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, the funny thing is, uh, we've talked about so many of these different game shows. I feel like this was the only one that actually qualified as a game show. Yeah, I, I think it at least fit the description of being like a competitive event. Um, but, you know, I, I enjoyed it. You know, King Hunter Block is like a legitimate, like high level uh, rally driver. So it is interesting to see somebody like uh, like you just kind of step into his zone. Uh, but all this makes me believe, at least in the first episode, is that like is each just like the greatest human to walk the earth. Like I was thinking about this. I was like, he's an actor. He's a DJ, like a good DJ. Like he was at like Coachella. Um, he, he can drive. Apparently he was, he had a professional kickboxing match. If you didn't know this, like he had a, a perfect, he had a whole docu-series about him trying to train to be a professional kickboxer and in 2016. So he has all these like great things about him. And like, yeah, all, all I want to do now is see him as 007, which is like what people have been campaigning for, for a long time. Idris Elba is a world icon, which is why the entire time I was watching this, I was just thinking, please don't die. Please don't hurt yourself badly. Please don't please. mangle your face. Like, we get it. You can do everything. You're you might 47. be Superman, and we just don't know it. You're 47. Please calm down, okay? A lot of people Ex care about you. Exactly. Please calm down. That's literally what I was thinking the entire time. But, yeah, I mean, at, alas, it is a good watch, and it does confirm that this man can literally do anything and everything. Which is great. Which but is yeah, I, I enjoy that. And this one just came out Monday, so you know they're still kind of cranking out. I mean, technically, I think they're still cranking out episodes for all of these, but they're they're cranking. You know, you know, there, there's less episodes of this than the other ones that we've talked about. So lastly, we'll talk about Thanks a Million. So Thanks a Million uh, is, as we said earlier, kind of like a charitable show. It is where one celebrity gives a hundred thousand dollars to a person that impacted their life. The catch is that they have to give fifty thousand dollars of that to somebody else. Then when they give $50,000 to somebody, that person's got to give 25000 to somebody else. So at the end of the episode, you see one person get 50000 and two people get 25000 And then you kind of see the story from their perspectives. So you really only see J-Lo in the show for like, I don't know, a couple minutes, right? Because she's not mm -hmm. there after after that. Like when she gives the money to the first, um, um, uh, I'll say family, I won't spoil it completely, but when she gives money to the first family, 
you don't see J-Lo anymore, which I think is a great a great move by the show. I don't think they should make the center of the attention be on J-Lo. I think they should make it on the giving. And I think that's something that Quibi did really good. I thought this was a really, like, uh, a real feel-good show. Uh, I think it really touches a lot of emotions. I definitely think that in a time like this, when people are kind of, you know, worried and skeptical and maybe maybe feeling a little bit selfish, honestly, maybe taking uh, certain things for granted and feeling like their situation's really bad, I do think this is uh, a show that really makes you feel good. What do you think about that, Andrew? Oh, this was definitely a feel-good show. Like, I, I watched it the entire time. I'm just like, the entire time, I just kept throwing, aww, that's just so sweet. Um, No, it's a feel-good show. Quibi did it well. I'm so, so glad the focus was not on the celebrity. And this maintains to be true, at least from the three episodes I watched. The focus is not on the celebrity. The focus is on the giving, which is so nice. Um, I think, I think this is something people need right now with all the craziness in the world just a feel-good show that reminds people people can you know have things to be grateful for people can be selfless um i like the whole premise of you get money you keep half and give half away um and then another person gets that money they keep half and give half away so by the end this chain of gratitude is what the show kept referring to which i love that idea um you just it kind of humbles you reminds you of like where you started from or where you came from and what you have to be grateful for. So I, I loved it. It made me feel a lot better watching it. And I think really Quibi has a knockout with this one. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I think they did 10 episodes. I believe they're, 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 if they're not all up by now, they're certainly very close to that. So I certainly would recommend that one as well. Um, but yeah, so just, just in conclusion here, Andrew, uh, I know you've seen some other things on, on Quibi. So if you want to go over some things that you thought that were interesting that we can get to talk a chance to talk about, or you want to, um, uh talk about just the the app performance as a whole just anything you want to talk about go ahead oh yeah sure so i saw two other shows we didn't talk about um actually one's a movie and i think the other one's a documentary so the first one is i saw i promise which goes over lebron james's school um back in ohio um it focuses it you know it focuses on the lives of the kids there the teachers there and the parents i thought i thought it's pretty well done so far I was actually expecting a lot more focus on LeBron, but he really doesn't appear. And like, there's some episodes he doesn't appear at all. He's only been in a couple of them, which is actually nice to just see how the school is doing, see how the teachers are affected. I think it gives you a really good insight into like what some teachers deal with on a daily basis and what some students are feeling. I think, actually, I know I hear how America discusses education and schools. And oftentimes it comes, it becomes so clinical. And I think this documentary is a very good thing that should be brought into the discussion because it kind of reminds people like education is not one size fits all and it's not so clinical. And maybe I'm getting a little bit passionate about this because I'm a teacher. Um, but aside from the fact that I'm a teacher, even if I wasn't, I did enjoy the documentary. I, I do enjoy documentaries like this. Um, the other show, actually movie I watched is Most Dangerous Game. I'm not done with it yet because they only post a certain number of parts every day. Um, and I haven't watched the most recent parts they've uploaded. But from that one, it stars Liam Hensworth. If you remember him, he was in The Hunger Games as Gail Hawthorne. Um, and I'm not going to give too much away. But in short, his character is dying and ends up in this game, if you were, where he has to survive for 24 hours to win a bunch of money for his wife and family and whatnot. Um, so I've been watching that and I'm not going to, I like it. I think it's good. I think the suspense is there. Um, 
and I leave wanting to know more because I get through the number of episodes they post and then there's no more. I will say Quibi as a whole, the one thing that I've realized with this is that for me, someone like me and quite a few people like me who watch Netflix, Hulu, and all these other platforms actively, we're so used to binge watching things and getting to the end of things so quickly that with Quibi, that doesn't really happen. I've been watching this movie for like three days and I'm still not done with it. So you have to get used to this idea of you're not going to know the end by the time you start watching it, unless you wait for them to post all of the parts or all of the episodes. Um, I will say the one reason I thought this wasn't going to work was because we have such a binge watch culture that I wasn't sure posting small episodes or small parts of movies was going to fly with people. But the more and more I think about it, we are also a society that has things like Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram stories and Facebook stories that I think Quibi plays into this whole idea of shortness and keeping people's attention spans for short periods of time. So there is some hope here. I'm also looking forward to when they post Legends of the Hidden Temple. I hope they don't butcher it like they have done with some of these other game shows. Or I will be so mad. Like, you don't even know. So I'm going to hold some optimism for it. We'll see how I'm still feeling after they post Legends of the Hidden Temple, though. Yeah, I, I'll kind of echo what, what Andrew says. I, I was kind of skeptical as well. For those of you who don't keep up with business news, there has been $1.75 billion invested into this from a venture capital. So there's obviously a big bet here um, that Quibi is going to be successful. I'm not sure that it's going to. I do think that $5 um, is a lot to ask for Quibi, especially if you're going to give them ads every episode, especially if you're going to ask seven without ads. I do think that if they really want my business, they're probably going to have to ask for something like $3.99 or less uh, with ads. Um, but I do think the content is good. Um, aside from what we talked about, I did see the first episode of WWE's Fight Like a Girl, which was a great premise. You know, uh, young girls, um, oh, I shouldn't say young, kind of mid-20s girls that are struggling with, you know, some obstacle in their life gets paired with a WWE superstar, a female WWE superstar, and they kind of like transform their life kind of like in a made fashion for MTV. They really butchered it, though. It is so like... Uh, it just doesn't work in that six-minute time frame. You just can't get anything uh, done. Um, but the sauce is very good, which I mentioned earlier. is a hip-hop dance competition. That's very good. There's another dance competition that premieres uh, two weeks, I think, from now, and it's called Floor. It's hosted by Liza Koshy, who's uh, the Double Dare host and YouTuber, where they dance on a floor that rotates and moves up and down and side to side. So, you know, they have to keep their balance as they're doing the dance. Um I, I do think the the daily essentials are the ones that I really enjoy. They have news, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, world news, BBC, NBC, celebrity news. They have E, TMZ. They have a video game show. They have a, a pop music show. They have two shows um, for the Latinx community, uh, a regular news show, kind of world news, and then a pop culture show. And then for their kind of um, more uh, entertainment essentials. They have a, a sex talk. They have The Nod, which is a, a popular uh, podcast about African-American culture. They do a daily podcast every day, or I shouldn't say daily podcast, daily episode every day. Um, um, the Dodo does a really cute kind of animal video a day. Um, so it, there's a lot to talk about there. Oh, and Rotten Tomatoes has one where they talk about like all the great shows that you can watch on streaming and on TV. So there's a lot to talk about when it comes to how good the daily essential content is, and I highly would recommend that. And next week, it looks like there's three things coming to Quibi. There is uh, Iron Shop Sharpens Iron, which is a, uh, kind of a reality show where two sports professionals 
uh, meet and they talk about you know what makes them great athletes dummy which is a uh, i believe it's going to be a movie in p- parts i'm not positive it may be a comedy but it is going to be uh, anna kendrick from uh, pitch perfect she basically uh takes her boyfriend's sex doll and the sex doll like talks to her um so kind of an odd premise um, but that comes out next week and also the daily essential for fashions of drag which is a fashion talk show which i believe is hosted by drag queens based on the name but i'm not positive on that so i do think quibi has a lot of uh content uh, that's out there i do think their price points a little odd um but with that being said Andrew, I appreciate you being on, buddy, and we'll talk to everybody soon. We hope that you enjoyed Reality Daily, and hopefully you will come back soon. Bye.